Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Sell order assessment fee not included. A limited number of ETFs are subject to a transaction-based service fee of $100. See full list at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. As many of my listeners know, I'm the mom of eight kids and recently a new grandmother as well. As the host of the Mighty Mommy podcast for the past seven years, listeners reach out on a regular basis with a variety of parenting questions. But the one topic I get asked about consistently is how to help parents who are struggling with behavioral and defiance issues. It's a pleasure to have a guest on today's podcast who can offer evidence-based tools and strategies that will help parents, myself included, to manage challenging behavior. Today, Mighty Mommy listeners will have a wonderful opportunity to get some helpful and practical advice on dealing with a variety of behavioral and defiance issues from a behavior analyst. Heather McGuire has a doctorate in educational psychology, has a podcast called Prison Parenting, and most importantly, is the mom to two amazing kids ages six and nine. As a board-certified behavior analyst, she's worked with parents of kids with and without disabilities to help manage behavior issues and create a more peaceful home. Heather, welcome to the Mighty Mommy podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on your show. And yeah, my passion is helping parents deal with issues just like you've said a lot of your listeners have with, you know, whether it's defiance or just any sort of behavior issues like that. That's what I'm passionate about. So I'm really excited to be on today's show. First of all, it's always fun for me to talk to other moms, regardless of the podcast, because we all can relate to the ups and downs of parenting. And when we're in the trenches and things are going well, or they're not going well, and most of us know rarely are two days the same, right? I think one thing that we've both commented on in chatting behind the scenes is that as much as we love our kids, you know, hey, parenting is tough. It's not an easy job, particularly when we have a child that's testing the waters and being defiant. Kids don't come with owner's manuals. So for most of the time, it's trial and error, and we learn as we go. So with that, I wanted to share some challenges that I've endured as a mom of my eight kids, and that I know many of my listeners have also struggled with in their parenting journey. And then I'd like to get your professional tips that are also combined with your role as a mom. So let's get started with a personal story of mine. And this goes back a few years, but at the time it was so trying for me and uh, for my husband. 
My then middle school age daughter was a chronic, and I mean chronic, excuse maker. She loved to read, and she was really a great student when she applied herself. But for a couple of years, when she entered the tween teen years, she just became so defiant when it came to completing her schoolwork. She didn't want to turn in her homework. She started showing up late for her classes, and she'd make excuses in the morning. Oh, I don't, I don't want to go to school today. I'm just not feeling well. I have a really bad headache. I mean, it went on and on. So we tried everything, but we just weren't getting anywhere. So eventually, we started taking away her privileges. And back then, kids didn't have cell phones or all the electronics that they're privy to today. But in any case, you know what? We were just at wit's end. And I know I've had other listeners that have had similar situations with their kids. So as a mom, I really felt like I struck out with that one. And I just I just didn't handle it as well as I could have. So what could you share with myself and other frustrated parents that we could implement to nip that sort of problem in the bud? Honestly, there's not a magic bullet, unfortunately. I know we all want that magic bullet, and but parenting teens, it's kind of hard, right? So I'm sure, again, that your listeners, they're going through similar situations. But I guess the first thing I want to point out is that you shouldn't take it personally as a parent, and it's hard not to, but you shouldn't take it personally when, you know, this sort of thing starts to happen. Honestly, you know, I think most parents, especially parents of teens, they go through similar phases and situations like this, right? And I think one of the the first things we should remember is that being a teenager can be hard. So I don't know about you, Cheryl, but I just remember it's just hard to be a teen, right? I remember, you know, junior high being hard, high school being hard, and you're just trying to figure things out. Because you're kind of caught in those two phases of life. You're still a kid in some ways, but you're starting to take on some of those adult-like responsibilities as well, right? And biologically, with teenagers, obviously, there's a lot going on. You need to remember that first, right? And so with kids and really uh, with teens and kids in general, what I do like to tell parents to start with is just the basics, I don't know. Have you, Cheryl, heard of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs? I actually have, but I would love for you to talk about that for my listeners. Yeah. So Maslow was a psychologist. Um, He was out of like the 1940s. So obviously we're, we're going back a ways. So one of the things that he's most famous for is he has this hierarchy of needs, okay, on the road to what he called self actualization. But really, it's kind of just, you know, reaching your full potential. And so he created this like image of a triangle to illustrate his point where at the bottom, there's like meeting your basic needs. Okay. And so that's just the basic stuff like, you know, eating and sleeping, getting exercise, um, being safe, that sort of thing. And the reality is, so, you know, you, you know, you go up in terms of trying to reach your full potential and there's things that you should consider, but We really, as people, um, and then our kids as well, you can't fully function if the things in that bottom tier or all those basic needs aren't being met. And today's kids, especially teenagers, first and foremost, they're not getting enough sleep. That's what the research shows. And I think on a recent podcast that you had, you talked about the electronics and how, you know, one of the trends for the the current year is, you know, trying to minimize the use of electronics, right? 
Absolutely. It's it's so prevalent right now, but you know what? It's such a simple solution, but it's like making it happen. And, you know, kids are so connected 24-7, but that eight to nine hours of sleep, especially for teens, because teens there, they're saying now, are spending eight to 11 hours a day on their devices. And that obviously uh, goes into their, their nighttime regimen. So yeah, that is such a great yeah. point. Yeah. So basically, one of the things that they found in research is A, kids aren't sleeping enough. And B, when you use screens right before you go to sleep, your sleep is disrupted. Mm. And so your quality of sleep isn't as high. So that's problematic, right? extended screen use may be impacting their kids' sleep. So I, I just kind of wanted to make that point, as well as, you know, food, right? And so in nutrition. So today's kids, especially teenagers, are very overscheduled. And they're going from one place to the next to the next. And when you're that busy, you know, it's really, really hard to eat consistent meals and to eat healthy meals and things like that. So that's kind of one of the first things when I think about teens specifically who are struggling. That's one of the first things I try to talk to parents about. And I, you know, I don't know, does that, uh, do you think that resonates with your daughter's previous situation or your listeners who might be going through something similar? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Sleep is one of the most important things that we can offer our kids is a great sleep schedule and the importance of getting, you know, a routine, you know, getting your homework done, um, settling in. If you need to, like, take your social media down and get that done and and then, you know, settle in and get ready for the next day. But you know what? It's easier said than done. In the case of my daughter... She did finally get her act together, but I, I will tell you, it was like 18, honestly, 18 months um, yeah. of, you know, like going to school meetings and, you know, cheering her on from home and, you know, what's going on? Can we help you? Um, it was it was a really frustrating time for all of us. Um, she's very successful now. She's happily married. She has a one-year-old son. But, you know, going Aww. back all those years, you know, when you're in the trenches of it, you know, you think, oh, my goodness, this is going to, how is this going to play out? So that's, you know, that's great advice. You know, things like sleep and routines and, you know, that's what I find. I think sometimes as parents we want to come up with these grandiose behavioral plans or whatever, but sometimes it's the simple things. Yeah, I think definitely those simple things are the first place uh, to start. And then I think especially when I think about where kids who, you know, teenagers, where they're at developmentally, I think it's worth noting that what they're really craving and what they're trying to figure out is they're craving that power and that sense of like making their own decisions and making choices as much as possible, right? And so, and one of the things you probably notice if you're either a parent of a teen or you work with teens is that if you try to control them, they oftentimes, that's when they'll push back, right? My kids aren't teens yet, but I already noticed this. Um, so I have a like a kind of a story, like, 
that kind of relates. So again, my kids are six and nine, so not quite in that that phase yet, but still, um, recently we were trying to, you know, uh, they have daily chores and we were giving them, um, you know, just like simple things, right? Like cleaning their room, feeding the dog, things like that, right? And then we were implementing um, some weekend chores that they do once a week. And um, so, Anyways, one of the things that happened initially was that, you know, of course, kids, they don't want to do chores. I mean, who wants to do chores, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, you know, and we and I'll talk later on in our interview. I, I'd love to tell you guys um, and your listeners about reward systems because that's one thing I'm passionate about. And so, I, you know, we use a reward system with our kids, but it just wasn't really working for um, the chores. They'd, you know, they'd procrastinate to the end of the weekend or they'd complain or whatnot. And so what I noticed is that part of it was just a power struggle. And so as soon as I gave some of the power back to them, and I'll explain how in a second, it, um, the situation dramatically improved. So what I did was this. I said, okay, here's your chores. So like, for example, my daughter, she's supposed to vacuum the stairs and wipe down the banister. And my son is supposed to clean the blinds. That's what they do once a week. And so I gave them a little bit of that power back. I said, okay, you can decide um, when in the weekend you do your chore. You can do it, um, you know, when you get home from school on Friday, or as long as you get it done by Sunday, you can decide. However, and this is the part, you know, that created this sense of like they have power, but yet I'm still going to motivate them, right? They have a, speaking of screen time, they have allotted screen time for the weekend. So they have like a, you know, the what basically totals to like one hour a day, but they can use it all at once. So if they wanted to do three hours of screen time on a Saturday, that's fine. They just don't get any on Sunday. Um, or, or whatnot. So what what my one caveat was, was like, okay, you can do your chore when you want, but you can't start your screen time until your chores are done. So it's up to you. And what I saw was kind of that the dynamic shifted. And so instead of me telling my kids, oh, you need to do your chores. Oh, you need to do your chores. Oh, you need to do your chores. That what shifted was all of a sudden, honestly, my kids would come home from school on Friday and they would just start doing their chores because they were incentivized. They wanted to, you know, do their screen time. But yet, because I didn't, you know, create that power struggle of you need to do your chores now, then I didn't get that pushback. So all that to say, I think that, you know, that's my story with little kids, but I think it's true with teens as much as well in terms of like, and maybe even more so, as much as you can give them back some of that power and that choice, I think that that can be very productive and helpful. Wow, that's great. You know what? That's really great. I can see that working for a three-year-old, and I yeah. can see that working for a 13-year-old. <laughs> At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. 
Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heather, I get emails from listeners on a regular basis, and a lot of them are just when they're so frustrated that they think they're doing their best with their kids, but they end up with constantly being challenged because their kids are not listening to them. So I have a particular example from one of my listeners that wrote in, and she writes, Mighty Mommy, help! I've got the world's most defiant five-year-old girl. She backtalks, she throws tantrums, and she thinks that she can tell all the adults in her life what to do. I've tried everything I can think of to get her to behave. What advice can you share to help get her back on track? So, you know, Heather, I'm the mom of eight kids, as I've said, and I've been there. You're also a mom of your two kids. (laughs) You've been there, and you're also a specialist in the field. So how can you help us? move this situation in a positive direction. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, you know, and again, uh, this situation that she's struggling with is a pretty common issue that we have with young elementary aged kiddos. And, you know, even as a, you know, so I'm a clinician and a parent. And one of the things that I know as well as any other parent is, you know, even if you know the right thing to do, oftentimes it's hard to actually do it. You can just get stuck in this cycle of being what I call kind of like a reactive parent where you're putting out fires all the time, you know, so your kid acts out and then you're reacting and and whatnot, right? And so one of the things that I really focus on with parents is teaching them to try to adopt a proactive mindset to parenting. And because honestly, there's a lot you can do to prevent that defiant behavior from happening in the first place. And then at the tail end of this, I'll talk to you, you know, I'll give you guys some, um, your listeners, some ideas on how to react when defiance happens, despite, you know, your best efforts. But I think that, you know, just focusing on a few key things can actually reduce defiant behavior in general in a lot of kids. So I have like kind of three things that I talk about um, in terms of, you know, how you can be proactive, things you can do pretty easily. So the first thing is that I recommend that as much as possible, you catch your kids being good and you praise them. And I know that that sounds simple. And a lot of this, you know, it isn't rocket science, okay? But here's the reality. So I, I already talked about how my kids have chores, um, daily chores, weekend chores, that sort of thing. And so one of my kids, one of my, my son's chore on a daily basis is feeding the dog and he hates doing it, right? (laughs) And so here's the deal. He feeds the dog and it's, yeah, it's not that hard and it happens twice (laughs) a day every day and somehow it's always still a surprise. But, you know, he feeds the dog in the morning and at night, right? And so, but here's the deal. In the morning before school, that's a kind of a stressful time where we're trying to get out the door. And same thing at night, you know, when he's feeding the dogs, what am I doing? I'm, you know, trying to help kids with homework and I'm cooking and I'm getting everything ready. And I call it the witching hour, right? Right oh, around then. Yes. 
I totally agree with that. Yeah. So everybody's blood sugar is low. Everybody's getting tired and whatever, right? And so in those hard and, you know, stressful moments, it can be hard to notice if my son feeds the dogs without complaining. That's my goal, right? And if he complains, I'm definitely going to see, like, remind him what the rules are, remind him what the consequences are. If he doesn't, you know, listen to what his, you know, chore is and do it, whatever. But sometimes, let's say I'm cooking dinner and let's say he does you know, feed the dogs. It's so easy as a parent to just kind of move on and not even always notice when our kids are being compliant, right? And there's a lot of research that shows just by tweaking that one little thing where you, instead of, you know, reacting to the bad, just by focusing on the good, you actually see a huge uptick in the types of behaviors you want to see and a huge downtick, uh, you know, a reduction of the types of behaviors you don't want to see. So it sounds simple, but the, the reality is it's effective, if you get what I'm saying. You know what, Heather, I love this because the, I learned this actually from my school, my kid's school. And this goes back probably 10, eight to 10 years. Uh, they implemented a system called Catch Them Doing Good, or some it was something on those lines. And, you know, my kids came home from school all excited because they got caught. And I'm like, what did you get caught doing? <gasps> I got caught standing good in line. I wasn't doing anything. I was just standing there waiting patiently and, uh, you know, waiting to go to lunch. And, oh, my goodness, you know, the teacher's aide came over and said, oh, my goodness, Annie, you're yeah. being so good. You're just standing here quietly. And she was like out of, the, out of this world, so excited about that. And uh, my other kids, the same thing. And and that was where I learned this whole principle about catch your kids doing good. And it is, just as you said, it's so simple, but you also nailed it. We as parents are this, we're running from one thing to the next. I mean, yeah. I have eight kids. I work a full-time job. I volunteer at school and church. So I'm like yep. I'm buzzing around. But you know what? Our kids get lost in that shuffle because we're trying to do our best to like keep our families, you know, clothed and fed and shopped and all that good stuff. When your kids rise to the occasion because you've tried to implement good values and, you know, this is your job, you know, you need to feed the dog every morning. And you know what? On that fourth morning when they do it without being asked, you, you're like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. And your child is so full of, you know, they're so excited because you look at them with that, those big eyes and you're like, oh, great job. So that is, you know, that carries volumes to not just their self-esteem, but, you know, then they want to keep pleasing and they want to do better and better. So I love that, Heather. Love that. Yeah. And you're going to spend the effort either way. So the science shows that by doing that more, you get, you know, more compliant behavior, less defiant behavior. Like it, it's definitely backed up by the science and it just creates a more, you know, happy and peaceful home. But it's so easy to get kind of stuck and to just really focus on the negative. It's important for us to teach our kids respectful negotiation skills, okay? And it's, sometimes it's hard to remember this as a parent, but the reality is we aren't looking for blind obedience, right? We want to, we want to raise leaders. We don't want to raise kids who just go with the flow without questioning. And so as parents, it can be easy to be like, I just want my kid to listen. But the, the reality is, you know, we need to help build those skills, right? And so like kind of like as an example, 
So my son who just turned nine, like let's say he's reading a book and it's right before bedtime and, you know, he's reading and I'm like, okay, it's bedtime. If it was just blind obedience, like let's say he was on like the last page of the book that he's been reading, you know, blind obedience would be like, okay, mom closes the book, goes to bed. But here's the deal. Like he has a page left. He's super excited. Instead, what I think, you know, it's important, an important skill for him to learn is how to respectfully ask me once (laughs) to reconsider. So what I've taught my kids to do and what I would encourage other parents to do is to give your kids a little bit of a script of what they could say in those situations. So for example, he could say, mom, is it okay if I finish my last page because I'm almost done and I'm really excited to finish my book. Okay, so then, and then my job as the parent is if possible, I'm gonna say sure and let him. But I mean, the reality is it's not always going to be a possibility, right? Like let's say it's already a half hour past his bedtime and I have something I need to do and whatever. Sometimes I'm still gonna say no, right? But I'm never gonna punish him for asking me once to reconsider. And I want him to kind of build that skill so that later on, you know, as he's growing into an older kiddo, teenager, adult, he has those skills. So that's something to consider. It's not necessarily defiance just because your kid has an opinion. I don't know if you remember if you have any thoughts to add regarding when um, your kids uh, were younger and, oh, um, you know, you, you, know, you experienced something similar. I totally remember, you know, the whole, <laughs> you don't want to negotiate, but you want them to know that they're being heard and that you're, you know, listening to them what they want out of the situation is valuable. But then again, you're the parents. So it's that little um, give and take that, you know, you want them to feel like, you know, they're having their say, but you're the mom or you're the dad, you've got the bottom line. So there is a little delicate balance there. I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. No, and I would definitely agree because there has to be You know, so like, let's say, you know, my son tried to negotiate, even if it's in a polite way, and I say no, and then he continues to push back, then there does have to be specific, you know, what I would typically do is give a warning of what the consequence will be, right? So for example, if he asked, and I said, I know, here's why, and he asked again, I would say most likely what I how I would respond, um, if I was being a... The, the best parent I could be. <laughs> you know, we all make mistakes. But what would I hope I would respond would be like, so just as a reminder, Land and I already said no once. And if you don't close your book and go upstairs and get ready for bed, this is what's going to happen. So then I just kind of clearly give them a choice of like, accept what I said or this, right? So yeah, there's definitely a, a delicate balance. That's amazing. You know what, Heather? Some of this is so amazingly simple but we overcomplicate it because we just we want everything to be great for our kids we want to be the best parents that we can be so hearing from your background on how we can you know implement these strategies that's that's great and it's super helpful and I know you have um, some other tips so what else can you offer um, the listeners here on the Mighty Mommy podcast where else can I go and visit you and find some more of these amazing simple tips to keep their families yeah. healthy and happy. So one thing I would recommend is this. Really, one of the most effective ways that you can motivate and positively influence your kiddo's behavior is by using a motivation system or a reward system. For example, it depends on the age of the kids, but with my kids, I use a system with quarters, okay? 
where they earn quarters for specific behaviors. And then at the end of the month, they turn them in, they get to spend some, they save some, and actually they give back some to our church as well. It, you know, And I like that for a variety of reasons. I think it teaches some financial responsibility, but also there's just so much research to back up using motivation systems and reward systems with your kids. So if your listeners are struggling with defiance, I think the number one thing they can do is to implement a reward system. And I have a free guide for your listeners. So if they go to prismbehavior.com, that's P-R-I-S-M behavior.com forward slash free guide. What they can do is actually download a guide that teaches them how to use a reward system with kids of different ages. So that's a great starting point if you are struggling, if you're out there and you're struggling with the the defiant kid. It is geared towards kind of like the toddler to elementary age kiddo, although there's things that you can use, I think, and learn for all different ages. And then I have a podcast, uh, Prism Parenting, and I'd love uh, for your listeners to check that out as well. That is a great tip. So reward systems can be key to improving some of these defiant behaviors and getting your child to jump on board and want to do her best. Yeah. So if we look at the research and behavioral science using what's called positive reinforcement, which can be used in the form of like a reward system, whether you're using, you know, quarters or stickers or something, you know, and it doesn't have to be huge. I always warn people to stay away from kind of like the Disneyland level. I'm here in Southern California, the Disneyland (laughs) level, you know, rewards. I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about small things, right? Where you can see dramatic changes. So I know it sounds simple, but I just encourage everybody to check it out, try it out. And part of it is it changes our behavior as parents. Because again, as parents, oftentimes we do adopt that more reactive um, mindset as a parent, but this helps us be proactive and keep things really positive. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing these great tips that I know my listeners are going to appreciate. I know I learned some valuable information from our conversation today. If you'd like to connect with Dr. Heather McGuire, please visit her at www.prismbehavior.com where you can sign up for her helpful newsletter and stay informed with her weekly podcast, which focuses on many other defiance issues and how you can better handle these situations. Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. 